Thanks for joining this special podcast celebrating International Women's Day. It's wonderful to welcome Cheryl Giovanoni, the CEO of the Girls' Day School Trust. Um, but let's get in. I'm going to ask you, we're going to kick off with some, some fun, easy questions, really. This is just to get to, to, get to know Cheryl. Um, okay. What's your favourite colour and why? I have got three things I'm going to tell you actually are my favorite color um, and the colors I'm using because they, I think they are colors I associate with powerful women. So Chanel red, uh, Coco Chanel, um, Chaparelli pink, just because I love that whole kind of shocking pink vibe, um, which is a famous Italian designer called Elsa Chaparelli and um, Verve Clicquot, that gold iconic packaging. I'm a total sucker for and again it's the widow Coleco who's you know kind of at the heart of that brand so those are the colors I would choose just because we're talking about International Women's Day and um they're fabulous colors basically they, they are fabulous colors and they're fabulous reasons for uh, for, for wanting those colors and um, what about your favorite movie what do you like to watch I um my favorite movie is uh probably and I'm they're quite contemporary it's a contemporary choice just because I love it. And I've talked about it a lot to the girls in our schools is hidden figures, the kind of untold story of, of NASA. Uh, NASA and those African American women who basically won the space race for the Americans. And I absolutely love that film. And it says everything to me about, you know, the difference women can make given the opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that can be really the underlying theme to, to today and what we're talking about on International Women's Day, you know, hidden figures, you know, always kept kept in the background. Um, and yet there, there, there are so many great hidden stories yet to be and yet to emerge. Um, and that's quite exciting, um, the fact that they are still going to come. What about reading? What's your favourite book? Uh, again, quite recent read for me, uh, Girl, Woman, Other, Bernadine Evaristo. She won the Booker Prize last year. Is such a good storyteller and tells the story of women so absolutely brilliantly. And the fact that she shared the Booker Prize with another uh, writer I absolutely love, Margaret Atwood, uh, just showed the kind of, again, the potential that women have, uh, particularly when they find their voice. So that would have to be my favorite book currently. What about your favorite cuisine? What would be your go-to dish? Um, it would be Japanese uh, by a country mile. And I've never been to Japan, but that is my goal after lockdown to actually go and visit the place where Japanese food comes from because I absolutely love sushi. Sushi it is. Yeah, J Japan is beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, and you must make sure you go down to, the, to southern Kyoshu, right down to the southernmost tip to really see Japan for me. Um, you, can get, you can get caught in the lights of their mega city in Tokyo. Um, but when you do go down, uh, it's, it's a beautiful place. And in fact, it's, for my 16-year-old son, it's a top place for him to go. He likes sushi, but he likes Japanese manga, and he's absolutely influenced by that, right. by that as well. Um, if you weren't in education, running uh, an association, an organization that empowers and, and runs a lot of leading independent girls' schools, what job would you do? Um, I think, uh, Simon, I probably would have wanted to be an architect, actually. And sort of, you know, design and architecture are things that absolutely fascinate me and would have loved to do something creative and sort of realize that passion so yeah architecture would be something 
I'd absolutely love to do. We're here to celebrate International Women's Day. What is it and why is it necessary? I think it's at its heart, uh, because I am an eternal optimist, I think it is a celebration of women. I think importantly, it is about recognizing the progress we've made, uh, but also um, being really clear about how much further we have to go. And the fact that, you know, we can't bank a lot of progress yet. Um, if you just think about things like, you know, FTSE 100 companies, we have fewer CEOs that are female than we have ever had before. Uh, the, other, the other thing that I believe uh, is a real frustration for me is even in new industries like the tech industry, uh, there are something like 16% of employees are female, which is just not good enough. So for me, something like International Women's Day really shines a light on the fact that women are not making enough progress yet. And until there is real gender equity, there's every reason to really challenge ourselves to do better as, as a society really, so that we can help women realize their potential. And this year's theme is choose to challenge. You know, a challenged world is an alert world. On the website, it says individually, we're all responsible for our own thoughts and actions all day, every day. We can all choose to challenge and call out gender bias and inequality. We can all choose to seek out and celebrate women's achievements. Collectively, we can all help create an inclusive world. From challenge comes change, so let's all choose to challenge. Have you ever faced gender bias challenges in your personal life or career, and how did you overcome them? <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. I, I actually think that I um, possibly had a father who, had sort of gender bias ingrained in his DNA. I mean, I was one of four girls and there was not a huge amount of expectation that we were going to do anything spectacular. Uh, and even when I decided after leaving high school that I wanted to go to university, my parents' view, and I had been head girl of my school, and my parents' view was, no, 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 no. You know, what women are here for is basically to you know, I went to finishing school, that's what they thought I should do, and basically find myself a husband and get married and have children of my own. So that was sort of the context, which I actually found very limiting. And I talk about that quite a lot still today, because I think women need to recognize the need to own their own dreams and not be defined by the stereotypes other people have of you as a woman. And, you know, decide what you're going to achieve and the difference you're going to make and not be particularly um, restrained by what other people think you're here for. And I suppose, so that was sort of the context. And then in my career, I think often, I think women are not directly discriminated against. I think you are underestimated sometimes as a woman. And because I do believe that the world of work is still quite man-shaped, there's sort of this general perception that to be a leader and to be truly successful, that's what men do rather than that's what women can aspire to do. So while it hasn't always been um, very obviously um, a, a discrimination, I think there's sort of a, an underestimation that sometimes is quite prevalent that women are having to work quite hard against. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, there, there, there's a lot of education happening right now about, you know, where is the unconscious bias. You know, this is something we've all been innately brought up to understand based on the fabric as, of man society, as you call it. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm still surprised in 2021 that we're still having such a debate about it. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I'm so shocked by some of the conversations I have that are, that are, that are dreadfully chauvinistic. You know, and these and these are sometimes coming from um, men who have daughters, you know, mm. because, you know, you've already just, you know, told us and it's great to hear that, you know, part of your drive was you, know, you had a father who, you know, was old fashioned in those, in those values. H how do we go about changing that mindset and when does it start? Um, well, uh, it's it's a really interesting uh, question because I think it starts quite young. There's this really scary statistic about the levels of confidence women have. And from research that has been done in schools and later in life, girls' confidence starts to flag from around the age of eight. So if you ask an eight-year-old girl and an eight-year-old boy the same kinds of questions, we, there's, there's definitely a sense that girls start to lack confidence at around the age of eight. And from this research, the age at which they start to regain confidence and are equally confident to men is at the age of 80. So women spend almost their entire lives lacking confidence. So for me, it starts with education, because if you can help girls in the way they get educated to really build their confidence and build their sense of self-belief and not be limited by some of the, the kind of um, built-in stereotypes that exist. Those are the kinds of, of things that have to happen to change the trajectory for women more generally and for the world to be in a more equal place. So, you know, I think, um, I do think, you know, Boris Johnson has just appointed his first envoy for education, which is fantastic, absolutely brilliant, um, focused on getting 40 million more girls around the world into education. And, you know, anyone will tell you that the way to, to make the biggest difference in the world right now is to educate women. And that isn't just in the developing world. In this country, we have huge, um, we still have huge gender inequality. And at current rates, uh, the gender pay gap will only be closed in 168 years. Now, nobody has 168 years to wait. And that's the real rallying cry for me. It's something like International Women's Day. Those are the kinds of things we should be telling ourselves and talking about and challenging ourselves to make a difference to. And in some respects, I do believe that COVID has presented us with enormous opportunities to really question the status quo, because we need a real reset. And I think women will be at the heart of that reset. Yeah, it's great. And it, COVID has thrown up um, the perfect storm. And this, if we do not take this opportunity to change our world, we've missed, we've missed it. And this, this is not in once in a generation, this is once in hundreds of years. Type yeah. of type of deal, um, and so you know, I was I was chatting um, to a to a head around you know who's giving me some analogies um, about you know we're actually in the you know are we in a black hole or actually we're in the heart of the a volcano but once the volcano erupts you know yes there's there, there's there, there's a bit of chaos and we're running but once it settles the lava there what what it does is it provides fertile ground for something new to come from 
And I really took that and thought, wow, it's, it's a really great way of looking at it. Um, but gender bias and us make advocating, you know, women's rights and their ability, you know, the, um, the, the, the trajectory that there should be no glass ceilings, that they shouldn't be penalized for anything um, has to be at the heart of what we do. I hope you're enjoying the Inspiring Schools podcast. We're always on the hunt for guests with vision and a desire to share them. If you'd like to be involved or know of someone with great ideas at a school near you, please drop me an email to podcast at interactiveschools.com and my team will be in touch. So how is International Women's Day being celebrated across the GDST? Um, we have lots of things going on. Um, one, of the, one of the things we always do is we run a survey across um, our sixth form and our alumna. We have something called GDST Life, which, um, and we have a sort of a, an app called Runway. And we really ask all of our, um, our girls and our alumna what they think are the most important uh, ways to achieve gender equality. So, you know, is it things like education? Is it having women in leadership positions? Is it about government policy? Is it about shared domestic responsibility? One of the big um, fallouts of COVID, women have had to basically put their careers on hold because of things like childcare duties and um, domestic duties. So just really trying to understand how girls have responded, but importantly, how our alumna are responding and looking at how those two things compare. Uh, we're also looking at the kinds of skills that they've developed and improved through COVID. So really trying to look at the positives as well as anything. Um, and then also trying to understand from them who they think are the strong female leaders that are em emerging from the pandemic and really just trying to get under the skin of how women are feeling about themselves and about the world they live in. Um, we've also got um, our six formers creating content around the most inspiring women in their lives, which we then share across our schools with other pupils and more broadly. And we have a very active um, alumna network of about 70,000 women. So again, that's around sharing really brilliant examples of role models around the GDST. Um, two specific examples, two of our schools are doing quite interesting things. At Northampton High, we have an Erasmus conference running. It's going to be virtual, but the theme of that is sort of equal opportunities and it, it coincides with this. And we have some absolutely brilliant female speakers there. And our school in Bromley is linking up with the Her Story Club and really putting sort of storytelling at the heart of, you know, which women inspired the girls in our schools and really celebrating those women. And then there are tons of other things going on more informally, but there's a lot of focus on what is seen as a very important way to mark um, the moment. Uh, and, and actually the Bromley work is feeding very much into the March for Women's History Month, which is happening as well. And a lot of the work in our schools isn't just about gender equality, but really picking up on the Black Lives Matter movement. And we have a program called Undivided, which is around the sort of diversity and inclusion, which sits very neatly alongside, you know, if gender equality is the heart of what we do, diversity and inclusion is just as important in our schools. So it's sort of added to our mission in a way and really helped us focus on the kinds of things we are putting at the heart of you know, what builds successful women of the future. Research has shown that women, and particularly women from ethnic minority backgrounds, have been most affected by this pandemic. What does that show us? Um, I, I think what it shows us is essentially that, you know, it's um, progress can be very fragile. And while we often talk about the progress women have made, they have been disproportionately affected. 
by the pandemic. You know, um, even if you look at female entrepreneurs as an example, uh, they have um, they are coming out of the, the 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 pandemic far less financially stable than their male counterparts. Um, the caring industry is largely female, and that has been most highly affected. If you're female, you've been more likely to have been made redundant than if you were male. And as I said earlier, you know, women are having to balance more than ever the kind of responsibilities of childcare, education, and domestic duties, which, you know, usually are not added to their to their load. So there's there's lots of um, real challenges that women face coming out of the pandemic. And I think the other really shocking thing from my perspective is that the gender pay gap reporting was stopped during COVID. So companies have not been held accountable at a time when, frankly, the opposite should have been happening and we should have been doing everything we could to support women and help them build flexibility around keeping their careers going. Uh, so, you know, good to see that it's been put back in place, but it was not the thing I believe that should have been put on hold at a time when it could have been used as a lever, a lever for female progress. Yeah, I completely agree. It, it was astonishing when that was announced. It, it was, it was just, it was just they, they, they thought this is administrative. So let's take yeah. away administration, you know, without thinking of a big picture issue here that needed to be addressed. And all they did was, was just, you know, put, 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 fire, put fuel on the fire. Um, but as you say, it's back. Um, it shouldn't have been removed, but it'll be, it's going to be very interesting to see what has happened. You know, we, we still got to have the fallout yeah. of, of COVID. And you've mentioned some really, um, really, really important areas that have suffered and we've seen it suffer. But we won't really know the full impact of that once, until we're out of it and we have some normality back. Um, yeah. What can we do to ensure that women's voices are heard louder? Uh, I think women, again, I think uh, it's partly linked to making sure we provide an opportunity for girls to develop their voice, to develop their confidence. I think we need to select women. We need to promote women. I'm not always convinced quotas is the way to go, but they can be helpful because I think it makes people uh, possibly not always hire or promote in their own image because they are then forced to think more broadly. Uh, and you know, I do think we have to hold organizations to account for the number of women they have in their workforce and how much they take these things seriously. Also, I do think coming out of COVID, there is, as I said earlier, there is this amazing opportunity to reset. And women are often in those careers that I think have really been seen to add huge value not only monetary value, but you know, it's the caring industries, it's education. People have really seen how important great teachers and great carers are. So, you know, we have to hope that we're going to be creating a better society coming out of this and that the roles women play will be more valued than ever. And that that will play into the sort of leveling up agenda that is just as important for women to be taken into account as it is for anything else when we talk about a leveling up agenda. So I, you know, I feel very optimistic that if we embrace the kind of lessons of COVID and use those to, to power up our economy and putting females at the center of that will make the biggest difference to the kind of economy of the country, but also to the kind of humanity of the country, importantly. Yeah, we, we always need balance and it has to reflect yeah. true society. Yeah. You know, we, we, it's, in, any, in anything we do, it has to reflect what, what we see. 
Um, if the world had more girls' school, would we see gender equality more quickly? I think you would. Uh, and that's not to say that I am, um, that I don't believe there is a role for all kinds of schools. I think there is. But I think the more you can give girls the opportunity to really have the expertise of the way girls learn and what girls need to thrive at the heart of your educational agenda, the more likely you are to make progress. So therefore, the more girls' schools you had, the more girls you'd have in that environment. Um, and given the statistic of it'll take 168 years to reach gender equality, uh, uh, gender pay equality, you know, if we had more girls' schools, we potentially could speed that up. And it's one of the ways we could actually start to speed that up because girls would go into the, we'd have more girls feeling totally um, the beneficiaries of an education that was absolutely centered on their needs. Yeah, um, I suppose the, the, the counter argument to that is that, um, you know, co-education actually better reflects society and the world that's out there. Um, and actually by going down, whether it's, it, it's gender specific education, boys or girls, you know, we're, we're already adding to segregation um, to, and, and these other barriers to get over. Um, is there a case that actually to drive for you know, true equality, we need to have more co-education so everyone's equal and vested in, um, in, in their senior years at school? Yeah, I think everyone's equally invested. They're not equally invested in girls, though, are they? And because girls and boys learn differently, there is an opportunity to help girls make more progress more quickly by having an educational agenda very focused on them and their needs. And there's lots of evidence to suggest that that is the case, that, you know, girls are much more likely to take STEM subjects in a girls' school. They're much more likely to um, go on to, they, they tend to, um, they tend to earn more. They tend to, um, they choose more diverse sets of careers. They aren't, you know, they aren't subjects that are considered girl subjects and boy subjects. They're just, they're just subjects. subjects. So you, you kind of change the, the kind of mindset as much as anything else. And those girls feel like they can do anything. And I'm not suggesting girls who are in co-ed schools don't feel the same way. But if, if part of the issue is confidence building and you have the opportunity to really focus on that, girls can only benefit. Yeah, um, and I've certainly seen that with my, with my eldest daughter. Uh, absolutely thrived um without without the pressures that that that, that you talked about uh, that that i do see um but there's still a worry you know i have conversations with her about you know where where she's going to go on to what she's going to do next um you know she wants to be a mum she doesn't want to be an old mum and she's, already she's worrying you know how, how do i how do i talk to my daughter about you know wanting to go for that career and, do, and carving out something for herself knowing that she's already thinking about, well, it may not last so long because I want to be a mum. Because you can be both those things. You know, you, if you, you, know, you could say the same thing. You know, if a, a boy wants to be a dad, he should be having the same thoughts. It's yeah. only nine months that it takes to actually have a baby and you have the rest of your career and the rest of your life to work out how things will, will kind of um, progress. And there's that wonderful saying you know that you marry your own glass ceiling you have to choose very carefully uh in terms of the partner you spend your life with because that will determine how much you are able to you know realize your own ambitions as well as your ambitions for your family and i do believe those things can coexist in a balanced 
um, happy family that you know everybody feels sufficiently um, kind of satisfied with what they're getting out of life so I would tell her not to worry because she can have everything I truly believe you can yeah and, and I believe that too I, I believe they, they can absolutely have everything and you know as a parent it's always difficult trying to give give, give, give the sage advice that you want them yeah. to, to hear of, you know balance with everything else that they're going through and decisions they've got to make um, but ultimately, you know, our, our role was to, to, to bring her up so she was grounded, she was happy, she was confident to go off and do anything she wanted to. And that absolutely is with all my children. It's not just my girls, it's with my yeah. boys too. Um, and, and that I think is a really important, important part. Um, so it doesn't get taught out of her and also she doesn't, have, doesn't lose the confidence when she goes on to suddenly feel that she has to take a back seat and don't worry, some man will look after her because yeah. it's just a wrong viewpoint. Um, which is still worryingly still very prevalent. No, completely um, agree with you. And, you know, choice is the most important thing you can give a girl. The fact that she will be able to choose one day and not necessarily not have those options open to her because life is long and we'll all have lots of different careers and lots of different, different life stages. So, you know, having something you really truly believe is your passion and you go on to do it'll take very different forms as you, 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 you move through your life anyway. So yeah, absolutely. You answered this earlier. Um, will we ever get to a point of gender mm -hmm. equality? And if so, when? 168 years, you said. How well, then, can we speed that up? Oh, it's, it's just far too depressing. We can speed <laughs> up by, you know, um, having these kinds of conversations, celebrating progress, but also challenging and really pushing for change wherever we can possibly make um, an impact. And I do think it is about equipping girls to go on and importantly, make a contribution in the world and make it a better place for everyone. And, you know, I do think that that's the, probably the most important thing we can do is to be really great role models for girls to see that they, especially girls who are well-educated, they have a real responsibility to to make that contribution and to help other women and future generations uh, of women realize just, you know, that the world's their oyster. So I, I do think we're going to get there and we're certainly not going to take 168 years. It's going to happen in my lifetime. I cannot possibly believe that it's going to take us that long. <laughs> yeah, well, let, well, let's hope not because, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly won't be around for that either <laughs> unless I have developed some AI in bed. Um, that, that, that will allow me to, to experience that in some black mirror yeah. world that, that will exist. Um, today's a great celebration. It's, it's wonderful to see what you're doing at the GDST um, with all your schools, with all the girls, the, the empowering them to be who they are um, and for striving for anything and everything that they, that they want. Um, I look forward to looking at all the stories that are coming out through all your social networks. And we'll certainly be celebrating sharing that with the, with the rest of our community. Cheryl, thank you ever so much for taking the time today. Thank you very much, Simon. Very good to talk to you. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram and via LinkedIn. Remember, keep inspiring schools. We need more future school thinking now.